1: to the show and today my guest is Leora Lightwoman who's back for a second interview with me. Now you may remember that Leora is a couple somatic therapist and a tantra facilitator. She's been working with couples, individuals and groups since 1995 supporting intimacy and trauma resolution. So I am super excited to welcome Leora Lightwoman back to the show. Welcome Leora. Thank
2: you, Sarah. I'm absolutely delighted to be back.
1: Oh, I'm super excited to have you back and especially for today's topic, because I think it's something that everybody is going to be interested in. And that is sex after divorce. Now, tell us a little bit about your work in this field, Laura. So
2: my background is in body psychotherapy, couples counseling, and a few other trainings, but particularly I've been involved in the world of tantra or neo-tantra for over 25 years. And what I love about this is it gives us a really clear model of sexual relating that's really nourishing, that's really natural, um, that in a way, removes some of the issues that, that can arise around sex um because it offers a framework that sort of that helps settle the body helps settle the mind and gives us a sense of possibility magic and an agency in our sexual relating
1: oh i love that and i and i think you're so right however when you use the words natural and nourishing i know that some of my listeners are going to be thinking well hell no i am terrified about having sex with somebody again maybe for example lots of my clients i know find themselves in the position where they didn't have any sex in their marriage maybe for six or seven years in some cases more um other people may be thinking gosh well i've only had sex with one person for so long well i know what to do with somebody else and you know that also you know body image and there's so many things that there's a lot of pressure and I know some people are just thinking, I'm just going to avoid it completely because I'm too uncomfortable. So whilst the idea of it, you know, being natural and nourishing is, I guess, if you're in a loving relationship, but if you have just come out of something quite horrific and you're looking at the dating apps going, oh, gosh, where do I go from here? What sort of advice would you be giving? Thank you. Yes. And,
2: you know, and the dating apps themselves, I think, can be a real barrier because it's now so much of an established method for finding a partner. And yet the methodology is so contrary to what many of us would be looking for in, in an ideal match. And it can be terrifying, as you've said, if there's, you know, for whatever reason there hasn't been fulfilling sex for some time or God forbid it's, it's been, you know, a, a bad experience. There's a lot of healing that needs to happen. And you know this is something that, that I offer in one-to-one and in couple work and also in, in group workshops. And um, what I didn't mention to you earlier, just as we were chatting was um, that I've now released uh, a 10 hour online discovery course, which takes people through different stages. It's actually far more than 10 hours. It's about 20 hours in reality. Um, and it talks about you know, when we meet someone how we negotiate what we're looking for so this is just one theme out of many many themes but it's, it's so fundamental you know what are we looking for and what are we agreeing to um because a lot of the problems that arise in sex actually arise because the the, the quality of the relationship that people are looking for hasn't been decided on in advance by, by the person who's, who's recently divorced or separated. Uh, and hasn't been actually discussed. And that doesn't, that, that can sound like something dry, but it doesn't have to be something dry. That can be really exciting. It can be really, you know, a very wonderful, enlivening experience to talk about what do we really want? What is all of this about? Mm.
1: So, I think it's, I mean, I don't know whether it's a British thing. I, I know us Brits are a little bit, well, we have a reputation for being more reserved. But, you know, and I know other countries in this podcast is, you know, big in Australia and America and all over the world and, you know, Italy and all sorts of places. So, you know, I know things vary from country to country, but, you know, I think a lot of my listeners might be thinking, yeah, but I, I don't feel comfortable talking about sex, especially before we've ever had sex. I mean, we haven't even got to that stage. And You know, sometimes, you know, worrying about when is the right time to have sex and is it, you know, date three, is it date five, is it never, how do I get myself into that position? So I feel even comfortable to to talk about what I want.
2: That's exactly the issue, because when it's so difficult to talk about something, it remains in the shadow. So whenever you're engaging, you've got a second voice going on. And what about that? And it's stressful. You know, and the stress can be so bad that a lot of people will avoid sex because they don't want the stress, not because they don't want sex, they don't want stress. (laughs) And, you know, what I'm advocating isn't talking about sex early on, it's talking about the, the parameters of the relating, which contains the sex, so I think it's become you know, much more normal than, say, when I was young, what was advocated, not necessarily what was done, but what was advocated was you took some time to get to know a person. And nowadays, sex is such a a sort of media topic, that the assumption is that, you know, it's it's okay to get sexual very quickly. And, um, you know, many people do that, and many people enjoy that. But there can be consequences, because you're actually ahead of the game, you're actually doing something before you've set the groundwork for that to be all it could be. And so, you know, with the risk of sounding old fashioned, um, I would definitely uh, go down the line of less is more, that slow is good. And in fact, um, many years ago, I was interviewed by Carl Honoré, who's written a book in Praise of Slow, which I highly recommend, you know, talking about slowing down. And in fact, that's the last podcast I was sharing with you was around the theme of the body and how the body organizes itself. And actually when we slow down, we come into a far more full sense of ourselves. We actually allow ourselves to access our parasympathetic nervous system. We access more parts of the brain. We start to feel ourselves as more human and more whole and more confident just by doing that. So so I would definitely start by suggesting to listeners that they don't rush into something because if somebody is putting pressure on them to go beyond what they want or need or are able to accommodate at any particular time, that's not going to get any better. Mm. And so yes. you know, part of part of this, this discussion might be about you know, the theme again we talked about somewhat last time, which is a theme of saying no. Um, because until you can say no, you can't say yes. And you know, I've been on dating apps and I've 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 been dating, and most of the time I've spent saying no saying no to what I don't want. And that doesn't feel bad, that can feel fantastic because it hones, you know, what I do want.
1: And- Yeah, you know, I agree. And I do think that saying no is super, super important. And, you know, when you are saying earlier, you mentioned about having those discussions about, you know, how you relate within that relationship when we're not talking then necessarily about the sex what does that mean like what would a typical discussion be that if you weren't comfortable to actually dive in and talk about sex and what you want in the bedroom what what kind of conversation are you envisaging people would be having well something
2: about the quality of the relationship you know that's that's been looked for Um, so the kind of place where for example for me it might be that I feel free to to share what's going on for me and you know that I would, you know how I would like to be listened to, how I would like to hear what's happening for the other person, um, what to do when things get heated. So I spend a lot of time working with couples who may have been together for many, many years, working with conflict. And you know, sexual challenges and conflict go hand in hand. It's hard mm. to have really beautiful, connected sex when there are sort of deep conflicts going on in a relationship and that's healthy. It's actually less healthy if you've got kind of conflict that doesn't get resolved. I mean, it's, some, it's great to sometimes have an argument and have conflict and find a way through. And that can be very enlivening and that can be that can generate sexual arousal. But it's not so helpful to have unresolved conflict and then passionate sex where that conflict remains in the background because the sex, would by definition have to be to some degree divorced from the relating for that to be successful.
1: Yes, so that make-up sex, which is very passionate, that makes things, you know, oh, it's all good, kind of in a way, if you haven't resolved the underlying communication issues, it's sort of sweeping some of those issues under the carpet, isn't it? You're not actually facing them. It can be. I mean, in Tantra, we look to actually sometimes put an
2: argument aside and orientate towards connection in which case the connection is actually a way to really address what's going on so it depends it's not like sex is bad when there's conflict or that sex that can can bring two people together can't resolve the conflict it's just whether the couple are getting off on the sex after the conflict after the sex after the conflict and it it doesn't go anywhere that kind of sex can be tremendously exciting um but but usually that situation ends in such a way as well.
1: Mm. Interesting. So So just, uh, I mean, for people listening, can you explain what you mean by Tantra? Something, you know, we hear a lot. What does that mean?
2: Yes. Um, So Tantra, basically the, the, the roots of it means weaving and expansion. And it's, it's about union. So what I offer and what pretty much anyone you'll meet in the West is teaching is is actually Neo-Tantra, which is a Western interpretation of some ancient principles with a few, you know, traditional meditations um, woven in. And um, it's a way of improving our awareness, our um, personal development, as it were, but it can also have a spiritual element. So for example, there's an an eye-gazing meditation where two people and this has been incredible in, in, in my experience and for many of the couples I know um, at really resolving conflict as well as you know being a, a precursor to beautiful love making where one person will sit and breathe and 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 I'll share later in the podcast some ways of connecting with oneself but but having done that will just literally sit with a soft gaze so when we look at someone, we often look at and we look for and we, you know, it's kind of like this. But, but this is more a receptive gaze of allowing in sight. So allowing another to see us. And that's incredibly intimate and beautiful. So it's like the eyes become a vessel for someone to see us. And then we allow ourselves to settle and just be ourselves. Hmm
1: so interestingly i've been watching uh married at first sight and they have a lady who is amazing and her name escapes me for now but she's a sexologist i think it's married at first sight australia i think it is and she's doing that exercise actually and you're right the impact of you know the couples trying out this technique has been much more profound than i think anyone could imagine just from talking about it you know I think when you when I was watching I was thinking gosh on the surface that seems you know well let's see what happens but actually the results were you know and it did really help resolve some conflict and and one one of the guys said it was the most intimate he felt he'd ever been with anyone in his whole life
2: it's 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 absolutely true you know I've heard people say that because that's what You know, when we're having sex, yes, we want excitement, but in Tantra, we tend to use the word more aliveness, um, which is more of a connected type experience, because we really, what we really long for, most of us, much of the time is to be seen, is to be truly loved, is to be cherished, so that lovemaking can be something of a cherishing, of a a celebration, of an honouring. And the eye gazing gives you that experience. It's, it's complete in and of itself. And then mm. the sex is like the cherry on the cake. So rather than the sex as a way to get somewhere, the sex is the expression of what you're already enjoying.
1: I, I think it's fascinating because when you think today, and I hear this from a lot of my clients, they feel a lot of pressure to perform. I think it's very much like, well, you know, I've got to, I've got to be good and I haven't done it for a long time and I really can't remember how to do certain things and, and what happens if I'm rubbish. You know, how yeah, and especially I think today if you're you know do watch any of those shows that are on TV, a lot of the media sex is all about, you know, the different positions now. And I actually had a client last week who was saying that she had gone out on a dating app. And there was a guy who was a little bit younger than her um and she said when they had sex it was date three she said she felt way out of her depth because he was talking about all these different positions and flipping her over she said it was like being in some sort of porn movie she said there was no real connection he didn't really look in her eyes or connect she said she felt really out of her depth because she didn't know any of these positions you know by name or had even tried some of them in some cases she said and it was really quite unsatisfying for her and she just felt like a massive failure at the end of it. Is this something that you've seen?
2: Well, I've seen a range of situations that would encompass this sense of sex being you know, functional or, or we could even say dysfunctional. And, you know, and, and I think what's missing, as you've described in that story, is is connection. And, and when connection comes, what comes is a sense of playfulness, is a sense of aliveness, curiosity of, you know, uh, then communication becomes more natural. Oh, you know, what was it like when I did that? How would it be if? And and so it becomes more like a dance. And um, one of the things that's, that's really important that I would say is as a preparation. And, and this is something I'd perhaps like to talk a bit more about is is the theme of desire. So we've talked about a little bit about longing in in terms of the eye gazing. You know, what do I long for? How do I long to be held? How do I long to be loved? You know, what am I longing for? And there's also, what do I want? And a lot of um, people go into a sexual liaison more concerned about what do they want and will I be liked? But if we come in with what do I want, we're, we're, we're much more embodied. We're much more, you know, in a communication and we're much more able to orientate towards what's good for me. And that doesn't have to be a, a knowledge of, of, of sexual positions or, or sexual actions. It can be a, a quality. So you know, what do I want? I want to go slowly to, to go. but I want to feel um, appreciated. I want my body to be enjoyed. I want someone to to, to um, to to enjoy what they see, enjoy what they feel. I want to know that they're enjoying that. Um, I want to be touched gently. I want to be penetrated when I'm absolutely ready and I'll let you know what that is. And and so to get to this place, which a lot of people find very difficult to even know, never mind communicate, and that goes back to your earlier question, um, is about practice. So not practice talking about sex, but talking about wants. So what I'd recommend to your listeners who would be frightened to talk about sex at any point perhaps during that um, sequence, but what they don't realize is that when you've set the groundwork, talking about sex then can become natural. What I would recommend for themselves is to start with an exercise which is about, I want, and that's out of the sexual arena. So right now, I want an ice cream. Right now, I want to go running in the woods. Right now, um, I want you to hold my hand and we'll jump up and down. Right now, I just want to sit still and close my eyes and take a few breaths. Right now, and so it's in in that vein, the right now wants start to come to light. And we start to be able to recognize them. And in fact, sex in its best is a sequence of in the moment, responses rather than a pre-imagined scenario so what's amazing is if in sex you know one minute something's happening the next minute actually you know I'd rather could we perhaps not do that maybe you could just hold me maybe we could do this Um, Mm -hmm. and all of this stems from recognizing what you want in the moment and coming back to a process of checking in here and now, how do I feel? Am I enjoying this? And what do I want?
1: I think that's so important, you know, figuring out, you know, such good advice to to figure out what you want and not be worrying or obsessing over, well, what do they want? And what do I need to do to make sure they're okay? I think it is sometimes quite alien for a lot of, especially women, I would say, coming out of a relationship where maybe they've been looking after a family, everyone else comes first, you know, making sure the kids are okay, the husband's okay, you know, and everyone else is prioritized and they're sort of bottom of the pile. Coming out of that and being single again and trying to re-establish, rebuild that life I think it can be alien to figure out what you want sometimes in that position because you haven't focused on that. And it feels even selfish. And I like what you said at the beginning. and I know we touched on it in our last episode about saying no. And that's something that I work with my clients on a lot. just the ability to start saying no. But again, that can be very uncomfortable, very alien. So it is work in progress, I think, to to get to that point. But it's fascinating. And I totally agree with, with your advice there. One of the things that you said earlier was sort of allowing somebody to enjoy your body and like, you know, enjoy what they're seeing. Now, I know for a lot of my clients, that thought just terrifies them, you know, getting naked with somebody you know, quite often, self-esteem is super low, body image is is an issue. You know, how do people overcome that sort of putting it off saying, well, I need to lose some weight before I did that, or I need to go to the gym, or I need to start walking every day. You know, how do we overcome, I guess, those hang-ups that so many people have with their bodies?
2: It makes me very sad that, that this is so much an issue that so many people can face. And one, one way that, that I look at this, either in individual work with another woman or, or, or in a women's arena, is we start to really share that amongst ourselves. So I think one of the missing dimensions that's, that's, that, that really is essential in sex after divorce, in, in having a fulfilling sexual relationship, are our relationships as women with other women. And also, if, if, we're talk, if there are male listeners, men with other men. And I think that's a harder one even to establish in our culture. It's something that in, in our workshops we, we really look to create. And every single man who's, who's done this kind of work has said you know, some, often that that's been the most profound experience that he's had you know, is is having a relationship with another man that's really collaborative, that's really, you know, that that allows him to be seen as he is, and to be heard in his concerns. So, you know, the first step would be if I'm talking about, say, women, talking to other women, and we're talking about the heterosexual model, you know, sometimes this can, if someone's, you know, in a gay relationship, or is, is gay, then actually, sometimes this works better with another sex person, somebody where it's not, gender that they're sexually attracted to but nonetheless this works very well in the world that I'm familiar with with women if, if gay women straight women together it doesn't make any difference because the arena um, and the theme we're looking at is 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 about healing and so to start with talking about you know what about my body you know am I am I shy about I'm uncomfortable about Many women do that, but they often do it in a way that the narrative has its own um, momentum. So they might say, oh, you know, my tummy, my this, my this. And then they go on to, as you say, the weight loss. And... But this is a different way of doing it. It's a disciplined way of doing it. And it orientates away from the problem and towards the solution. So I might say to my friend, you know, I, I don't especially you know like my hips because you know they kind of go in and then they've got that bit where they go out and then in again and you know those are typically called love handles and you know I, I judge that because I didn't used to have those 10 years ago and you know it's it, it would have been lovely if the curve had just been very smooth and like that and then you know and then I can really share like I feel sad you know I can see that I'm aging I don't know whether that will come back again and then I would go on to um Sharing about something I really love about my body. So, what's something I really love about my body is is the quality of the skin here on my chest. I've, it's very smooth. It's quite tanned, um, and I like how that sort of goes into my breasts. I think there's a really nice angle there. So when I see myself in the mirror, um, you know, I really like looking at that part. I think it's very shapely. You know, and I could go on to say, I also really like my cesarean scar because it's very subtle. It was done very well. um, And it reminds me that my son was born, you know, without that, he wouldn't exist. So I feel very proud of that because, you know, that was one of the most significant transitions in my life. Mm -hmm. And as I say these things, I notice what's happening in my body. And I notice how I feel in myself because I'm honoring not just An idea of how I imagine someone else would see me, but I'm honouring my own journey of embodiment, my own experience as a sexual woman. And now as I come to talk about the love handles, they don't seem quite so much in the foreground, you know, because I know that I'm a sensual woman, I know I've got experience, I know I've got a lot to offer. Mm. So in a ritual we would do, you would we would talk very briefly and show, in fact, what we don't like. So this can be done over the phone and then the showing bit isn't possible. Uh, the listeners, obviously, hearing this perhaps just on audio, so they'll get a sense of how it works just through audio. If you're with someone, you can speak and show and say, yes, you know, and the skin on my calves is very dry and, you know, it's this and that. And, but, but, but here, you know, what I really love is how my hair does, does this and it frames my face and I feel... You know, that gives me a useful feeling. So you're, you're alternating. You're saying something that you have a concern about. You're just naming it, showing it, feeling it. So rather than talking consistently, you feel it. And being witnessed in feeling that changes it. And then you talk about something else and you feel it, the good stuff. And you'll find that naturally your inner experience of self
1: changes. And how does it change what we expect from this exercise
3: are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce are you feeling devastated heartbroken sad and anxious if so please know that you are not alone and there is help available sarah davison best known as the divorce coach and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup take back your control and start feeling happy again sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions unhook from your ex get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again.
1: How does it change what we expect from this exercise? Pretty much every time I've
2: done this in a group of women, everyone has said they feel a real sense of love and sisterhood. And so they feel very empowered. So as we then do this in a workshop setting, the women then go and meet the men after this um, in a very, just very simple way of of, of greeting and of communicating but they feel like they're part of something they feel that they're being held and they've been seen as beautiful and they can take in that reflection mm. so when they've been literally because we, what we we then also actually offer another stage where the other person who's witnessing can share what they like and what they find beautiful in that woman both in the in the the elements of the body but also as a whole so they might say I really love how your fingers move when you talk, they might say I really love how when you speak I, I, I get a sense that you're saying what you really mean and I, I trust you, and so these women get a reflection of their physicality in connection with the whole of them and so inevitably they take away a much more real and positive view of themselves. So women for example who are very large, you know, large women are not so much honoured in in, in, in in British culture, which is a real sadness. So in many other cultures, certainly in many African cultures, Brazilian cultures, you know, you're, you're not of interest if you're too slim. If you've got some proper proper good curves, then you're, you know, then you're far more exciting. And, you know, I've been to clubs and places where where people of, of those um, nationalities are, are more prevalent. And I've been with, friends who are much larger and more voluptuous than me. And the, the men don't look at me. They look at, they look at my friends. Um, and so, you know, women in our culture, when they start to experience themselves, A is more than the excess weight. And B is, you know, generous. People can say that in a, in a, in a way that's, that's sort of offhand. But when other women say, look, there's something about your body that's really soft, that's really encompassing, that's really delicious. There's something about how you hold yourself that's really dignified. Um, The quality of your skin, your usefulness. Um, um, You know, women will, uh, I spoke about my Caesarean scar, women will talk about their history and you start to see the body as a living testament to femininity. Femininity not just in the sort of girlish sense of, you know, slim and bits, but, but in the sense of what sexuality can be, um, mm. something far more than, as I talked about at the beginning, functional, something that's a real, um, joyful, fully fledged, sometimes overwhelming
1: meeting. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, I mean, gosh, this is great stuff. And I'm loving listening to you. Um, I think you're right about being honest. I think being honest and just embracing your body for what it is and learning to love yourself and your and your body is part of that process and appreciate things and not be afraid to talk about maybe some of the weaknesses. So that builds up that sort of resilience, I guess, and maybe dials down some of the fear of getting naked. I can see how that was, would work. I know when you're talking about honesty, a lot of women have spoken to me in sessions about... They felt that sex was never good and they were faking orgasms and they were doing it just to keep their partner happy or just to get it over and done with. Um, And I guess they're worried about starting again. One woman said to me, you know, I don't want to be dishonest. I feel that's dishonest, but I also feel that if I don't have an orgasm, it's sort of making them feel like they haven't achieved something. And I feel bad, so therefore, you know, should I or shouldn't I fake that to situation going and keeping the relationship going? What are your thoughts on that? Well,
2: again, I think what you're talking about is an orientation towards the other. And that itself is not very sexually exciting. And and I think a lot of women, can find it difficult to receive and that would be understandable especially if they've been in a relationship that hasn't been fully nurturing. So in sex and in tantra one of the things that we like to to suggest is taking some time to explore these themes of giving and receiving and I'll I'll definitely be talking about orgasms so don't don't let me go without me going there but I again want to want to work back because the orgasm is the end point of something. And if we work back, you know, one of the the one of the, the important foundations is to be able to receive, and not just to receive stimulation, but to receive touch as love, touch as honouring, touch as something beautiful. And in fact, there's um there's a meditation called tantric touch, which we share in workshops, and um I've, I've got a little prop with me, my own little sex toy. Um, I so just describe
1: to the listeners, you can't see what you're holding up, are. So what I'm holding up here for the
2: listeners is a large purple ostrich feather. So I say tongue-in-cheek, it's a sex toy because it's actually a feather. And um, this isn't to excite, stimulate, tickle um, or tease. It's, it's actually to bring to the surface a different level of aliveness. So if I can just talk through what I'm doing so the listeners have a sense, I'm just, I'm holding this feather which has lots of very soft um, tendrils to it. And I'm just very, very slowly stroking it over my hand. And if I close my eyes, I can feel these tendrils just stroking over my hand. And it's very slow, it's continuous, and it's super light. And so, if we imagine someone embarking on a sexual adventure with a new partner, one thing that they can do, which doesn't need to involve full nudity, so here's one of the, the possibilities of people who don't want to get naked straight away, I would say to them, don't. You know, take your clothes off as and when you want to and start with something that's very intimate that doesn't have to involve full nudity. So this can involve full nudity, it doesn't have to. I've um, actually taught this exercise at a breakfast networking club in central London. And it went down very well because all the suited people, you know, we, I got out the feathers and they, they offered it to each other on each other's hands, man on man, woman on woman. Because when you close your eyes and you receive this very beautiful touch, it's very lovely and it feels beautiful. And there is that sense of settling and really receiving. It's really clear who's offering. It's really clear who's receiving. It's really clear what's being offered. It's really clear what's being received. And because it's simply the gentle caress of a feather, it can take away the mind chatter. And if this is two lovers and they're, they're naked, you can gently caress the whole body, including the genital areas, but not focusing on them. And this itself is incredible because what happens is you get a felt sense of your erotic zones being part of the whole skin, which is all an erogenous zone. A sense of inclusiveness, of delight through the whole body. And lovemaking may or may not arise from there. And this isn't foreplay. This is in and of itself a beautiful sharing of giving and receiving. And if, and when I recommend people do this, I recommend that for the first three times they give and receive, they don't make love afterwards because that gives it the opportunity to land as something whole in itself. And people get the sense of being able to give in a beautiful way without struggle. So the giving becomes a delight, the receiving becomes a delight and people get used to giving and receiving. And lovemaking after that can be a totally different experience. So if we fast forward from there to the theme that you brought up around orgasm, you know, orgasm is, you know, particularly for a woman, but but also for a man can be something that's to do with a receptivity. It's a letting go. And that will only happen when that person feels completely safe. And whether or not a person has a genital orgasm, I would say that unless you feel physically safe and comfortable, you're going to struggle to really enjoy uh, sexual relating. So, you know, a lot of what we spoke about last time with the boundaries, and there's lots more I could say, you know, to create safety is so important. And, um, you know, when there's safety, if you're someone who's familiar with, with, with orgasms during sex, that's more likely to come. If you're someone where that, hasn't generally occurred or it's not not familiar to you then you can enjoy yourself and your partner will know most men i have either engaged with intimately or spoken to through the process of my work what they most want is to really have their partner enjoy what they're doing and they know when it's not real even if you think they don't mostly they do And even if they think they do and they've got it wrong, um, their body will know. So they will be turned on when you know what you want and when you know what you don't want, which is can be surprising to many people. They say, I don't want to hurt his feelings, but actually when you know what you don't want and you can say it in a loving way, most men really appreciate it. And when they know that you're enjoying yourself and and that's a win-win so i definitely wouldn't advocate faking an orgasm but i would advocate you know having a sense of sexuality that's not focused on the orgasm so that you know both of you can relax i mean there's so much pressure that men express around having to do this do that get this right you know what a relief it is if a man can just perhaps make love with a woman and they don't have to be even orgasms even for him, maybe. So one of the themes that we look at in Tantra is how it's possible to make love and not always orgasm. And this isn't about avoiding orgasm or not having orgasms. It's expanding the possibility. So I can say more about that if you like, but uh, there, there are ways that make that a really enjoyable experience. People think it's about holding back. It's not. This is something entirely different.
1: Oh yes go on tell us a little bit about that because I'm keen to know because I'm sure a lot of people listening would really appreciate just just removing some of that pressure and just enjoying it without having to to think gosh I've got to get to a certain point everyone's got to have an orgasm here otherwise it's not good sex so yeah just if you don't mind sharing that would be wonderful. Thank you
2: yes I would love to because this is something that's been very dear to my own heart it really revolutionized my own sense of Love making and intimacy. So, biologically, if we imagine that on a scale of arousal, orgasm happens at number 10 and, and zero arousal is, is, is zero. So, what's possible is to engage sexually, intimately, that can involve penetration. It doesn't need to involve penetration. But let's say it does, is to make love, but to keep the level of arousal no more than six. So 10 is orgasm, zero is nothing, six. So to to play with anything like three, four, five, six, five, four, five, six, five, four, three, four, five, and to be like swimming in a way in in that zone. And when we do that, it doesn't activate that sense in, in the genitals of the tension. Where there's the need to ejaculate in a man to orgasm in a woman that tension doesn't arise so as we're making love in that zone we're also pausing we're also relaxing we're also connecting you talked about your um client where there was no eye contact so in in tantra we, we work very much as i've said before with eye contact both before and during love making and so and and in the moment communication uh, some people find this very difficult it's not essential but it's amazing if you can just say like a word um, oh i feel warm i feel delighted i feel shy i feel scared oh i've shut down for a moment down to zero let's pause and pause and naturally it will come up to one again So where there's a possibility to go between all of those, where there's deep relaxation, there might be this tantric touch, the gentle caressing. Um, Certainly in women, we like to um, invite women to become more familiar with the delicate sensations around their breasts. We offer a breast meditation where women can become more sensitive to breast touch. And, And that tends to also touch into more the heart. When women's breasts are touched with love rather than in a sort of furtive way or in an intense way that can often open the heart so when love making is like this actually both partners can can have a fulfilling experience where they feel they still feel aroused afterwards so what's different is you finish making love and you both still feel alive you could you could carry on but you choose for practical reasons you choose okay this is now a good time to pause and then you go through daily life And then it feels like you're still making love because you can both feel almost that movement inside still. Um, And the other theme around that is around sensitivity. So really feeling what it's like to to be penetrated, to penetrate or to touch and to really savor that. So I hope that's given you a sense Yes,
1: gosh, I think we've all got some takeaways there that we can go back and implement in our own lives. I think that's phenomenal. Thank you so much. I mean, your work is so interesting, and I could talk to you for hours. Where where can people find out more about your work, Laura? Well, I would really love to
2: recommend um, the online course that's recent, recently launched with the Health and Wellbeing Trust. Um, the website is healthe with an e learning dot online. But there's a link from my website, which is www.diamondlighttantra.com. That's diamondlighttantra.com. If you come to the homepage, there's a link to my course from there. And um, that takes you through the theme of boundaries, the theme of creating a sexual relationship contract. So some of the questions you asked earlier they I didn't fully answer, each step is, is outlined there. Um, we we it, it guides you through the eye gazing meditation. It guides you through a pelvic awareness meditation. Um, it guides you through tantric touch. Um, it also uh, takes you through releasing um, anger. So when we've had a bad sexual experience, often that anger can be stored in the body, even if we don't feel it. The body knows it's been treated in a way it doesn't like, and how to help release that. So that also allows a greater um, arising of sensitivity, um, creating safety. So, so all of that is, is through my website, diamondlactantra.com um, and it gives you the link to, to the site where you, can, where you can go through that course. And um, that's for both individuals and couples. It's, it's, it's many people uh, have, have taken it so far, I've been individuals, I've had lots of people sharing the insights and and breakthroughs that have happened from that. Um, Also, I offer one to one work um, on Zoom and shortly I may resume face to face. Um, And uh, this allows people to very slowly work at their own pace through the fears, creating safety in the body, creating new bodily awareness, um, learning new techniques, um, practicing how to interact with a man, how to find their own desires, so this kind of thing. So those are the main things I'm offering right now.
1: I mean, all sounds just up my listener's street because I do think that when you come out of a difficult breakup, thinking about sex again is is a real minefield of different emotions, different fears, expectations so i mean this has been a fascinating episode and thank you so much for sharing such great advice and some really interesting exercises that i can't wait to try out and you know thank you so much for being a fabulous guest once again Laura. you're so welcome sarah thank you for asking such important questions
2: and for you know being such a a delightful audience I'm, i'm very honored to be sharing this with you today so thank you
1: That's it for today's episode. Be sure to head on over to diamondlighttantra.com to find out more about Laura and her courses. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode.
0: That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats.